get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard and see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. Episode 21 of Just Dishing It. Joined as always by our producer, Derek Hoskin. Wait, how are we doing? My partner in crime, my co host, John Tudes Tudor. What's up, boys? Happy hump day here, recording here on this fine Wednesday. The, the day of the expansion draft, um, a lot of stuff going on in hockey. We're going to dive into it with our very special guest we have joining us today. But what's going on, fellas? How's the week going? Week's good. Busy as always, you know. I'm really excited for this episode. It's been a minute, I feel like, since we've done like a pure hockey uh, episode, and it's a perfect night for it. So I'm yeah. really, really uh, excited for tonight's guest. Yeah, it's... Uh... Good to have good to have some hockey news back after uh, you know what feels like an eternity since the Stanley Cup's been over and since we've been able to just talk hockey. But um, yeah. just want to give a quick shout out here. I was able to go last Friday for a couple hours to a seven one six day event at the Buffalo store, and uh, I got to see Cav and Derek in action, uh, filming, taking photos, getting everything done, and then. The video edit that came out for the recap for 716 Day was unbelievable. I mean, those guys are weapons. It was it was cool to see them uh, up close in person doing their thing. Appreciate that, Tudes. That was uh, that's that's uh, Mr. 716 Nick, the rock star himself. You know, leading the charge. But you know, it's a it's a team effort as always. But thank you, sir. Love it. Yeah, head to at 716 Nick on Instagram there to check out that. Awesome edit, awesome footage, cool day. It's a big day in the Buffalo area. But speaking of Buffalo, I guess we got to rip this Band-Aid off. I'm really pleased, though, to welcome our guest this week, Walter Zorowski of the Charging Buffalo and runs the Sabermetrics Twitter account. Walt, thanks for joining us, dude. So stoked to have you. How's everything going? Oh, pretty well. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of course, thanks man. for thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to diving into uh, to hockey with you, and I know Benny's looking forward to some Sabers talk with you. So I'm along yeah. for the ride there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see the anticipation on my face, can't you? <laughs> well, anyways, I mean, look, I mean, either way, there's going to be a lot of good info here. Um, you know, first off, Walt, I mean. What really got you started uh, to jump right in here? You know, your interest in the game of hockey, you know, did you grow up around it playing? Like, like what was, you know, your early memories of, you know, falling in love with the game, if you will? Yeah, I mean, pretty much ever since, I mean, I can really remember like four years old, hockey's really always been a big part of my life. I mean, my grandpa, he's from St. Catharines, Ontario, so he played his whole life. So my dad played his whole life. So then as soon as you turn three, four years old, you get the skates and you start learning how to play. And then I just took like great interest into like the NHL too, just like drawing all the different teams logos, just like stuff like that. I mean, I just loved everything about the NHL. And then, I mean, ever since then, my fandom has just been growing. That's awesome. Would, uh, did I mean, were you a player growing up too then? Like how, what, you know, did you go through like travel and all that high school? Like, where are you from? I'm actually from, uh, I grew up in East Aurora. So, I mean, that's oh, kind of a nice. funny story because, I mean, I used to play for the Buffalo Shamrocks like way back when. And we actually had our practices like way out up in uh, Amherst at the Northtown Center. It used to be the Pepsi Center. Yeah. So, I mean, I used to play hockey all the time. And then I think I was like eight, eight or nine years old. And then I kind of stopped playing competitively just because like that commute from East Aurora to Amherst. Because yeah. like back then... We didn't really have a rink out in Eastern War. I mean, now they obviously have that great outdoor rink. But I mean, back when I was growing up, there really weren't many like uh, hockey rinks close to me outside of like West Seneca. So I've just been playing like casually since then. Really haven't played competitively since I was like eight or nine years old, actually. Oh, that's that's cool though. Yeah, it's tough. You know, having a commute like that. You know, doing something that you, you're passionate about, but. You know, I, in a lot of ways, did that kind of work out in a good way for you with, you know, what you're doing now as far as, you know, be, diving in more to like the analytics side of the game? It, when did that interest begin for you? Honestly, I mean, analytics and especially in hockey, really not until 
I would say just a few years ago, like 2016, maybe. I mean, the key thing that got me started with it was really just like Buffalo Sabres. I mean, you get Jack Eichel. Yeah, you get Sam Reinhardt. Exactly. (laughs) Like, why is this team? They have all the pieces. Why can't they put it together? And that's kind of what drew me into analytics. It's like, because like Rasmus Ristolainen is a great example because he's a guy when I first started watching him, I was like, oh, he's awesome. He's got like the passing, the hits, the points on the power play. But I mean, why isn't this guy just putting it together? I mean, then once I learned more about the analytical side of the game, I started like focusing on like kind of like the smaller details of the game, like driving offense, like preventing stuff on defense and realized he lacks in a lot of areas. I mean, and that's really what drew me into it. He's really just why is this uh, Buffalo Sabres team so bad? So let me ask you this. You know, because you you brought up Ristolainen, so we're starting early here. We're not even at ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What is this nonsense about? There's a market for him in the NHL that I keep reading. Like, what? Do you have any insight on that? I mean, I guess uh, my perspective on this: he plays too many minutes for the Sabers. He's expected to do too much. Where my initial guess would be a more of a contending team uses him in like a third pair role. Is that kind of where you think he would fit based on the numbers you see from him? Or what are your thoughts there? Just for because you know, you use Ristolainen as the example here. Yeah, I mean, I think with Ristolainen, I mean, the really interesting thing with him is he's kind of the defenseman that like NHL GMs just like fall in love with. I mean, he's big, <laughs> he hits people. Yeah. And you look at the box score, he's got the points too, maybe not as much as before since he's on the second unit now, but He's still putting up the points. He's still like a big guy. So I still do think there's probably a market for him out there. Like as surprising as that may sound. I mean, we just seen Duncan Keith, who was a great NHL defenseman, but his game has really been falling off the tracks over the past few seasons. He's a guy that gets dealt for like a positive value. I mean, I thought that contract wasn't even movable. Right. So I think a guy like Ristolainen, I mean, maybe a first round pick. I mean, that might not be crazy. Wow. I mean, that's been the rumored asking price. And, I mean, I can maybe see a team reaching on that. I mean, I think on Elliot Freeman's podcast the other day, they were saying, like, Nick Delorier could even be traded for a first-round pick. I mean, teams just love that, like, yeah. toughness factor. And, I mean, as much as I might disagree with that, I mean, GMs just love it. I mean, you got to think the Sabres are anticipating that, right? I mean – first round pick because they, they protected Ristolainen in today's expansion draft. So, I mean, I know there was talk about trading him before last year and that didn't happen, but the year before that the year before I mean, that, he, there's yeah. so much talk about <laughs> it, but it hasn't happened, but I got to believe that if they're considering trading the guy, they've got to think they can get at least the first rounder for him or they wouldn't have protected him, Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, cause they definitely, know something that we don't like kind of like what the trade talks were looking like before they had to submit their protection list. So maybe they're thinking, I mean, Hey, we'll lose Will Borgen, but if we get like a first early second and a prospect for rest and I mean, that's a trade off uh, worth making. And then kind of, you brought up something I thought was interesting there too. And, you know, using rest as your example, but you know, how are you, are you someone that, is that solely thinks like these these decisions for putting a roster together should be done on analytics? Do you think it's more of a mix of that? Because there's guys like Ristolainen that like to me and probably a lot of people pass the eye test with all the things you mentioned, the way he can move the puck. He's a big guy. Like he can produce points in the right situations, but then analytically maybe he's not the most productive guy and it, and it fools you. Like, yeah. I mean, for me, I always do both. I mean, I always like to say I like using the data kind of to refocus my eye test because, I mean, my eye test isn't always perfect. So if I see a, like a player and he's like not a great skater, doesn't have like an insane skill set, but he's really driving offense or he's like really good defensively. I mean, I think the data, it just helps me when I watch the game, like look closer into that area of the game and kind of think like, why is this player good at this? What are they doing differently? And I think it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like a two-part st- street with uh, data and video. I mean, 
I don't think you could like use one of it without the other. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I mean, maybe there's some like great hockey minds out there who have like an ultimate eye test. That's like just perfect. But I mean, I think the data, I mean, for me personally, cause I'm not the perfect hockey mind. It really helps me like refocus my eye test when I do watch the games. But I mean, both are obviously important. The data, I mean, they're, the data, you kind of have to know what you're reading too, because there could be some situations when a player's numbers look better than they actually are. Like maybe they're being lifted up by better line mates and like a statistic that's not, doesn't take into account teammates. I mean, there's always things like that. So I think you definitely have to use both. I mean, we could bring a couple other Sabres into that conversation, right? With guys like yeah. Osman and Ocposo coming from, <laughs> you know, playing with a guy like John Tavares to, you know, then not producing when they come over or whatever. But I mean, do you, do you have anyone that pops out in your mind that kind of works the opposite way where maybe people kind of rag on them a little bit and think, you know, this guy's not that good, but the analytics show, you know, this guy drives offense, this guy's a stopper on the back end, you know, any, anyone that jumps out at you like that. I mean, I think probably just on this past year's Sabres team, I think Jake McCabe, is definitely the guy that fits that criteria. I mean, he's definitely had some rough years in Buffalo, like before the past few seasons. But I mean, he's been somebody that's like really broke out as just like a really solid defensive guy. I mean, he won't kill you on offense. And at times his game doesn't look that pretty because he doesn't really have like the flashy passing or all that. He's really just kind of like that meat and potatoes type of player, but he's got like great feet, great skating. He's able to close off plays. I mean, he's always making the right read. And he's honestly, I mean, before his injury, he was one of the premier defensive defensemen in the NHL. And I think he's somebody that, I mean, maybe took too much heat from Sabres fans because he was playing really well on a really bad team. So he's probably the best example I can give for that question. But that's kind of like the story of a lot of guys' careers on the Sabres that have been yeah. there about that time frame. It's the same thing, you know, Jack Eichel to an extent, like, He's been a great player on a terrible team. Like, so he kind of gets looped in and maybe gets more blame than they should for the losing collectively. I mean, I don't know how you work that out, but yeah, that's, I was, that was funny because that was one of the guys in my head when Tudor asked you that. I was like, I wonder if he's going to say McCabe. I wonder if he's going to say McCabe. And well, it's funny, funny that it's funny that that's the guy that you said too, because I've definitely, um, you know, funny enough, I've definitely been on the record with friends of mine, like sitting in the arena, watching a game, sucking down a blue light, being like, this guy stinks when McCabe is handling the puck. And I mean, obviously I'm wrong with, with the way the analytics point there, but you know, you're right. Like he doesn't stand out. I think when you're watching a game, because he's not making the flashy play. And I guess the, those are the types of players that kind of the analytics help them. Right. I mean, He's also yeah. not making glaring errors as for no. the eye test part, whereas like yeah. Ristolainen can be out there sometimes, and their guy just alone in front of the net. And I'm, I think a lot of times though with weird. the eye test, it's that it's that like flash factor, right? So like you look at a lot of those like offensive defensemen that tend to be like a bit of a riverboat gambler when they're you know either pinching or they're they're jumping up into the rush, and it's like. You know, those guys, they might make more glaring defensive mistakes, but they might have also had a goal and an assist in that game, and you kind of forgot that they dropped the ball on the back end, where a guy like McCabe, because he's such a defensive defenseman, like, he could be very good at that, but if he makes that one error during the game, like, that's all I'm thinking about as a fan watching on TV, right, is like, oh, like, you know, on the score sheet, you know, he's dash one and, you know, he, you know, messed up on a pinch or something like that. So, I mean, I think maybe that's where the eye test is a bit deceiving with, with different styles of play definitely favors the flashier guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like you're saying too, you know, can't use one without the other, use the data to back up what you see and or confirm or deny whatever the case may be. That's, I think that's the, probably the best approach I would say I think the top tier teams I feel like that's the approach that they take they don't put everything into the eye test or everything into the analytics what is right. that kind of what you you gather on that Walt? yeah I mean that's kind of what it seems like the top teams do I mean 
Tampa, I mean, I know they have a general manager who's really open to analytics and using that. And I think they just find the balance between both. I mean, just through everything in their team, whether it be uh, scouting for the upcoming draft or acquiring players in free agency at the trade deadline. I think like great teams find that balance. And then you have teams on like the opposite end of the spectrum, like Edmonton, for example, who seems to like solely be using the eye test. I mean, I know Ken Holland was a great GM. I mean, he's able to acquire some great players in Detroit, but I mean, some of the moves he's been making this off season, I mean, it just screams like someone that hasn't like updated their computer system since like 1995. I mean, he kind of <laughs> needs to like redo how he thinks the game at this point. Cause I don't think like what worked in 1995 is going to work now. Yeah. That's, that's a great example. Cause like as a hockey fan, right? Like how does it, it almost makes you want to pull your hair out. The fact that there's a team that has Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, they've got solid players up and down the lineup behind the, their two marquee guys there. And those guys never get a chance to like do anything in the playoffs. Like they light it up with how many yeah. points in the regular season. And then they're just like, all right, see you guys next year. Like, it's it's brutal. Like, you well, know, is love okay, to see but is that fair though? Because you, I mean, my thing with the Oilers is, yeah, Don's or um, I almost said Donskoy, uh, Drysidle and McDavid obviously lighted up in the regular season, and they mm-hmm. they produced in the playoffs. But yeah, there's just nobody teams, like when they don't when they get shut down when a team decides like Winnipeg when they say yeah it's somebody else is beating us. Yep. You know, McDavid's going to get his couple points or whatever, but some, you know, these two guys aren't going to be the reason we lose. Yep. Then they, the, they stink. They, you know, they don't get the backups, you know? So, I mean, I see what you're saying for sure on that dudes, but yeah. And I feel like maybe analytics plays a bigger role in those, you know, middle six or bottom six type forwards. Right. Cause like a guy, like, a guy who's your premier superstar, right? Like a Connor McDavid, an Alex Ovechkin, a Sidney Crosby, you know, a healthy Jack Eichel, whoever. Those kind of guys, like, regardless, like the analytics and the eye test, whatever, like they're they're your first line forwards, right? Like those those guys are gonna produce no matter what the circumstances are. Um where I think maybe the analytics play a bigger role in those those bottom six forwards, and they haven't found a way to make that click in Edmonton like they do in a place like maybe the Islanders, right? Like, you know, get those guys producing because I I just I think like the analytics are so so important in today's game, but it's like what are they going to tell you about Connor McDavid that you can't see by watching him? That's a special example, though, wouldn't you say? You know, so yeah. when it comes to those superstars. But even, even like, even like, so let's look at, um, and maybe, well, maybe you have some, some good examples here, or maybe you're going to tell me, you know, dudes, you're crazy. Just shut up. You're <laughs> talking out of your ass right now. Um, and that's cool, too. Um, but I'm trying to think, too, of a guy like, maybe a guy like Braden Point, right? Like, analytics are probably going to tell you that he's a pretty damn good forward, which obviously he is, but like nobody in the world needs analytics to see that. Like you just watch the guy play. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. I mean, if you look at like the list of like, I mean, some of the most used analytics to determine like the top players, like wins above replacement goals above replacement, like no matter which website you use, I mean, most of the guys at the top are, guys you'd expect to be at the top i mean sometimes you could get some guys like jared mccann like rising up there oh. after like a really hot <laughs> shooting season yeah. i'm sorry he's a oh. penguins fan that's hilarious him and tan have gone today like i mean yeah. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised this is just tea in the cup you know i didn't put <laughs> anything else in there jeez yeah, I mean, yeah, McCann, I mean, he was a really good player last season. He's still pretty young. I mean, and somehow he's been on like three different teams the past week. So pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, hats off, to, hats off to Toronto for that move because they get, I mean, they gave up like, you know, one draft pick and it was a Hollander for 
McCann, knowing that McCann was probably going to get picked up in the expansion that protects the guys that are already on their roster so that yeah. they don't get messed up. <laughs> I mean, hats off to them. They'll they'll get bounced in the first round next year, but, you know, at least they'll yeah. get there. Yeah, I mean, Hollander, I mean, that was pretty crazy how he's pretty much just like a nine-month like loan period with Toronto because he right. just went – like it was pretty much all during COVID too. He pretty much bounced – yeah. To to Toronto and back to Pittsburgh. I mean, really nothing yep. probably changed in his life because he was in Sweden the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of uh I mean Toronto, I know you have a background in um, you know, another page that you have with regarding like Leafs prospects and stuff. So I wanted to ask you about your origins with like, you know, the interest with the Maple Leafs. I know I talked you chatted with Jared a little about that and your thoughts there, but also too like from that, you know, the Maple Leaf stuff, as well as, you know, your interest as far as like up and coming prospects, because I know you put out a lot of great content as far as, you know, future NHL stars. Yeah, I mean, it all pretty much goes back to like my sophomore year of college. I was really just looking to like write for a hockey website. I mean, really just do anything in hockey. I reached out to a few websites and they said like, I just didn't have the experience to write for them to maybe like reach back later. Once right. I get the experience, so I was like, I'm just going to like start something on my own. I mean, I'm just going to like try to do something, try to get noticed. So uh, Chris Baker on Sabres Twitter, I mean, he does a great job like covering the Sabres prospects. I mean, uh, like back in the day, like five or six years ago, he would post like highlight videos, like short clips of like every goal that was scored by Sabres prospects like the next day. And I always thought that was really cool. And then... I noticed like a team like Toronto, like a huge market with a ton of fan interest. They really didn't have like that prospect guy, like on Twitter that would like the next day, like post like highlights of goals of like their six round pick in the OHL or like that new finished prospect they just signed. So I thought, I mean, might as well like try my hand at that. And I mean, see where it goes. So I just honestly, to get it started, I just followed just as many people that were like Maple Leafs fans as I could find. I mean, I ended up like accumulating like probably like 2,000 followers just from doing that alone. And then I just started going to work like posting like highlights of Leafs prospects. And then that like Twitter account started building up momentum. I got offered by Maple Leafs Hot Stove to start uh, running for them to cover Leafs prospects. So I started doing that. And then uh, even Kyle Dubas, back then, he was the assistant GM. He was even uh, following my account, too, hey. uh, the Future of the Six account. So, yeah, so, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's how he, like, kept up to date with his prospects. So that was a pretty yeah, like cool start. Star, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and maybe, like, he even listened to some of my advice, too. So I like to think I maybe controlled a bit of the Leafs' decisions there. So, so how that many- was kind of – how many – I sorry to cut you off there. I just want to ask, like, if Dubas is following you, like how many early playoff exits is it going to take the Leafs to just contact you and be like, we need you in our front <laughs> office because we can't figure this out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't even think I could figure it out for them either because, I mean, I thought – honestly, I thought they assembled like the perfect team. Like I loved Matthews, Marner, Nylander. I mean, those are some of my favorite prospects. They get all of those guys – they signed John Tavares. I mean, they have such a deep team, like more prospects coming up, but like every year it's just that first round, they can't get past it. So, I mean, they're like, like snake bitten by it. Like yeah. it's already in their heads almost. It's just like yeah. crazy. I mean, like, I don't even know what you could do in that situation. I mean, do you like blow the team up or do you like try again? I mean, I'm almost in the boat of just like, trying to run it back again and seeing if you could get a different result this time. But I mean, at the same time, like, I think, I don't know how to. long lease management will allow Dubas to like do that. I just, I think you have to though, right? Like at this point, yeah. like your hands, your hands are kind of tied. You're so you're in so deep with the guys that you already have there and the contracts that you're offering them or that you already have them under. Like, you kind of don't have like what are you going to do you're not going to trade like if you trade mitch marner and you get like draft picks or like prospects or whatever and they don't turn out to be like absolute studs of his caliber or better and then you still don't win in the playoffs like you just look like the biggest idiot since the ryan o'reilly trade like yeah 
Like that's, I mean, it, <laughs> it's just, territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those exactly. things where it's like, it's tough. Cause like, I, I see what you're saying where it's like, you know, how long are they going to let Dubis do that? But then also like, what else can you do in that situation? Yeah. Because to, to your well, I mean, point, I think Tampa. a lot of, Look yeah. at Tampa Bay. They struggled. Everyone was wondering, like, can they get over the hump? Like, I mean, they they get you know the year before. I think when they lost to Boston, uh, and then they they missed the playoffs or something. And then when they came back, and then they got swept by Columbus, mm-hmm. and then they went back to back. So it's like, yep. I you know what I mean? It's it's Plus. easy to get complacent. And I feel like if it was any other franchise other than the Maple Leafs, we might not even be considering that they would blow it up. But they strike me as like <laughs> kind of the Yankees of the NHL where the patience is very small. Yeah. Surprisingly, when they've they haven't won a series since what, ninety three? Yeah, it's been a while. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> and the other thing too though is when you're looking at that team, and that's a good point, Benny, like I mean, how you look at the core of those guys, like outside of Tavares, who's obviously a big sign. Um, you look at Matthews, Marner, Nylander, they're all so young. Like those guys are nasty and they're not even in their prime yet. Yeah. So I, I really don't see how you could blow that up because you're like, we have three guys that like very easily can be generational talents for the next how many years in this league. And all of them are not even in their prime yet. Yeah, I mean, I think when when you have all that money tied up in like four players, I mean, I'm pretty sure those four guys make up like half like the team's like total salary cap hit. I I just don't see like how I just don't see how you could really improve on those guys. I mean, maybe you could try to go for like a quantity over quality approach with the trade, but I mean, yeah, even then, I mean, like you said, I mean, those are really good players. They're still really young. I mean. I honestly think they just got to keep trying because, I mean, they have the talent to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, at this point, I think it's just like a matter of time and just kind of like playing that mental game. I mean, I think if they win a playoff series, I mean, just one playoff series, I think. That would do a like, wonders for yeah. them. I mean, I, mean, I, think, I, I think at this point, Jason Spezza is going to sign one-year minimum contracts until he's 65 years old if he has to wait that long to win a cup in Toronto. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, yeah, because he said he will like he'll just retire if someone else tries to sign him. So I mean, it's Toronto or, or nothing for him at this point, I would imagine. But um, yeah, I mean, on the prospect end too. Well, like we'll get into the Saber stuff again in a minute. But overall, I mean, stuff you've seen, whether that's guys that are already drafted, already in system somewhere, in, in you know throughout the AHL, whatever the case may be, or you know. Maybe some, you know, give us some of your favorite guys like that and, and as well as some some in the draft this year that maybe aren't getting talked about as much as like, you know, your Brant Clarks, your Owen Powers, etc. Yeah, I mean, some guys I really like in the draft this year. I mean, probably just guys that will be available to like a team like the Sabres maybe in the second round that should be first round picks. Um, Mackie Samuskevich, uh, he's a USHL winger, plays for the Chicago Steel. He's just a really skilled player. I mean, he was one of my favorite players I've watched this past season. Uh, he just – oh, just the way he plays the game, I mean, it's honestly, like, I mean, beautiful at times. I mean, just the moves he's able to pull off in tight spaces. I mean, just the pass he's able to make a shot. And I was honestly surprised to see – I mean, his teammate, uh, Matt Coronado, he's going to be the guy from Chicago that gets more of the hype heading into the draft. I mean, he's projected to maybe go top 15. And – uh. I honestly think, I mean, despite not having more points, I honestly think Sam Oskevich may be the better player of the two, and he could be a guy that falls to the second round. So, I mean, if you're looking for a high-skilled guy later in the draft, I mean, I love Sam Oskevich. I mean, just sticking with the USHL, uh, looking for a defenseman. I mean, I love uh, Jack Peart out of uh, the Fargo Force. Just a great defenseman. I mean, went back to Minnesota this year to play high school hockey for a bit. I'm pretty sure he was uh, Mr. Hockey in Minnesota this year. I mean, just a great defenseman, a smart hockey player. He's not the biggest player, which is going to be the reason why he does end up falling possibly to the second round. But, I mean, if you're looking for a smart hockey player that does all the little things right, I mean, kind of similar to, like, 
how Jake McKay plays the game, just doing all the little things right, great defensively. I think Jack Pert could be uh, that guy there. And then, I mean, really, there's just going to be, like, such an interesting draft just with, uh, like, no real OHL season. Right. I mean, they had the prospect showcase, but, I mean, a lot of these guys haven't played, like, an actual OHL game since they were, like, some of them were even 16. So I think we could see a lot of steals with those guys just because they haven't really gotten the chance to show much to scouts. And, I mean, it's such a unique situation. I think we could see guys maybe falling to the fifth, sixth rounds that would have broken out as OHL players. I mean, we've seen Jack Quinn, the Sabres pick last season. If he didn't get to play his draft year season, I don't even think he would have been a first-round pick. I mean, he could have been like a fourth, fifth-round pick. I mean, guys like him like really use their draft years kind of like to like shoot up the draft boards, I mean, with a great season production-wise. I mean – and there's so many prospects this year that just didn't get that chance. So I think we'll definitely see some great value in the later rounds this year just because of that. And now to, to go on with the Jack Quinn thing since you brought him up, I'm really curious about him. What, what are you seeing in his data plus the, you know, what's kind of your assessment of Jack Quinn with his year in Rochester and, and what you think? Is that a guy you expect to be on the Sabres roster coming up this year? I mean, I think – I mean, it's definitely a possibility, especially with, I mean, all the moving pieces this offseason. I mean, all the guys that will probably leave the team. I think we could see a guy like Jack Quinn, I mean, maybe crack the lineup. I mean, the thing that's really interesting for me is that, like, apparently, according to his uh, World Juniors coach and his junior coach with Ottawa, uh, Andre Tournier, he was playing, like, most of the season injured. So maybe we didn't get, like, the full Hmm. Jack Quinn effect in his time at the World Juniors in Rochester. So it'll be interesting to see, I mean, kind of how he bounces back next year because he had like an okay AHL season. I mean, didn't really blow anyone away, but I mean, that's kind of expected for a 19-year-old playing the OH, or playing the AHL. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I mean, he's got the intangibles. I mean, he could score goals. He's a smart hockey player. I mean, he has everything it takes to be an NHL player. I guess at this point, it's really just like getting him comfortable with the professional game. So I think, I mean, I'd be shocked if he's on the opening night roster. I mean, I think they'll probably give him some more games in Rochester. But, I mean, if he shows well there, I mean, finally being healthy this season, I think he could be a guy we see in the Sabres lineup next year. Yeah, so, I mean, to go off of that, we're about the halfway point here. I've been avoiding it like the plague, but we got to address it. But I'll start with Sam Reinhart. What are your thoughts there? Is he going to suit up for the Sabres next year? Is he is he a goner like seems Ristolainen is too? What what do you think there? Thoughts on Reinhardt, what the return should be, what it would be? What, what are you seeing there, Walt? Yeah, I mean, I think with Sam Reinhardt, I mean, he's always been a player I've been a huge fan of. I mean, I think he's also a player that's kind of been underappreciated around the league. He's another guy who has, like, great analytics I mean, just because he does all the tiny things right, but the tiny things he does right isn't always like the flashiest. I mean, just like finding space and open ice, uh, converting that into goals, dangerous scoring chances. I mean, he just loves doing that. He's a great hockey player, but regarding his future in Buffalo, I mean, I just think back to that uh, picture with uh, for the Rick Martin Award uh, with Don Granado, where he's holding and Don Granado has like his arm around his shoulder and he's smiling and Sam Reinhardt just has like kind of like a blank stare on his face. I mean, I think that kind of like tells you everything about his future in Buffalo. I mean, I doubt he's going to be a guy that wants to be here long-term. I mean, even his end of season presser wasn't too encouraging. So I think he will be a player who's moved. What do you see being a return for a guy like Reinhardt, just based on what you're hearing, what the data tells you, what are your, what are your thoughts there? I mean, I think it's gotta be pretty high. I mean, especially, since they moved him to center to end last season. I mean, I think now that you got a guy who has shown he could play center effectively, he's still pretty young. He's going to be 26 years old. I think, I mean, depending on what the Sabres are looking for in return, like if they want futures, I think they could easily get maybe even a top 10 pick and a prospect for him. I mean, I think the return could be pretty high. I know LA has been shopping that eighth overall pick. I mean, something like that I could even see as a possible return for Reinhardt, like eighth overall for Reinhardt. I think that would be 
I mean, obviously it's not ideal using losing a player like Reinhardt, but I mean, if you can get a high draft pick, I mean, kind of go into the next rebuild with some more assets. I mean, yeah, I think you take that if you're the Sabres. Yeah, because I mean, you can't screw it up a second time, right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. hard to do. <laughs> I mean, I I say this all the time. They're gonna get it right. They're gonna get something important right by accident. Like you can't, yeah, you can't be trying to do it right and get it wrong this often. Like as long as they have, like you're gonna get a bounce. We've seen it with other franchises. Like it's gonna happen. It's probably gonna be by accident at this. You know, I have no reason to believe otherwise. You know, based on the the longevity of the sample size that we're working with here. So yeah, I don't know, man, but. <laughs> I think we should just rip the Band-Aid off here. Jack Eichel, what do you think? Dive into that because, I mean, this one stings. It's frustrating. As a, yeah. You know, this is this, the Sabres are my most beloved sports franchise. And just the thought of it, within a span, inside of five years, if you would have told me, we're shipping out Ryan O'Reilly for a bag of pucks – and Jack Michael for yeah. some of the shit I'm seeing, not a whole lot better. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't have believed you, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think back to that. Uh, I think it was the summer after they drafted Jack Eichel and uh, Sam Reinhardt was still a prospect too. And they had the Sabres uh, prospect scrimmage down at the arena. And I think they got like 17,000 people there. I mean, like crazy traffic downtown. Yeah. Like an amazing environment. I mean, just the future of the Sabres. I mean, it's just like it was so exciting. I mean, you had guys like O'Reilly and Kane joining all those guys at the NHL level. It was just like the Sabres are like finally good. I mean, that was like that was like the common thought around that. I mean, it wasn't really a matter like if they would ever make to the playoffs, it was more like when they'd make to the playoffs. I mean, people even thought that Cork could win a cup. So to see like kind of what the situation turned into. I mean, I think it's just a mix of poor management and also just some horrible luck too. Yeah. I mean, they had some bad bounces or ways with like injuries. I mean, you look like heading out of the rebuild, you had guys like Cody Hodson who looked promising. I mean, then he has like a severe, I think it was a back injury. He's forced to retire. You get yeah, guys like Grigorenko that don't yeah. pan out. Yeah, It's just like a mix of the, all those errors. I mean, the O'Reilly trade, which, I mean, that set the franchise back like three or four years. I mean, just all that stuff accumulates. And, I mean, then you're stuck with, like, what we're with now. And, I mean, you're going to have to trade, like, guys like Eichel and Reinhardt. I mean, which is unfortunate. But I think at this point, I mean, if the Sabres are serious about wanting to win a cup, I think the best option is to just blow things up and kind of start it over. I mean, like you said before, kind of just hope they get lucky with some decisions. I mean, maybe they could land one of the top prospects in 2022 and 2023 because there's some really good guys in those drafts. I mean, that's really, honestly, at this point, the only way uh, out of this rut the Sabres are in that I could, like, really envision. Yeah, because I'm thinking about it now because it's in 2023, right, that Connor Bedard is draft eligible. Yeah, which we are. We are. Which we're not until twenty twenty three, basically. Well, no, no, yeah, pretty much. matter because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna stink anyways, but we're gonna be ineligible to pick him, right? Because uh, of the no. new draft rules. I think the draft rule it came in effect this year, but I don't think it included this year for like uh, the future. So I don't think the first overall pick this year counts towards that limit. I think it kicks in next year. Okay, thank God. Hopefully, we have a yeah, Michael two point <laughs> But no, he's yeah. supposed to, like he's gonna be like the next like comparable yeah. to like McDavid, right? Like he's that. Yeah, yeah, he's like. I mean, the season he had in the WHL. I mean, it was only like I think he only played like twenty three games. But I mean, he blew away like even McDavid's numbers like back when he played when he was like fifteen, sixteen. <laughs> yeah, that's and then you have guys like Matvey Michkov too out of Russia. I mean, he's same draft class. I mean. He set records at like the under 18 world juniors and in the Russian junior league. I think he broke uh, Kucherov's goal scoring record there. And then, I mean, even a guy from Hamburg, uh, Quentin Musty, first overall pick in the OHL. Yeah. He's another big center. I mean, he's going to be at the top of the draft, too. I mean, that's like also on top of guys like Bedard and Michkov. And then 
Adam Fantilli in Chicago. I think I honestly think he has potential to be like kind of like an Eichel level center prospect someday. So I mean, you have those four guys at the top. I mean, you just need one of them, and you yeah. should hopefully be set for a long time. Or maybe we can get a friggin' bounce for once and get two of them. Yeah, Wouldn't that be something. But we'll have yeah. to continue. I can't wait to to find to see where how we find a way to screw up getting out of that top five or whatever for all those guys in this draft yeah. class where <laughs> we're all at least we'll be watch we'll be excited right we'll, we can timestamp this and go back to it in a few years but we'll be <laughs> excited we'll be like oh my god some of these prospects are starting to work out oh and power looks amazing or blah blah, blah whoever um who's the swedish kid eckland right yeah uh, eckland. yeah <laughs> maybe he's here by now They're like, oh my god look we're we're kind of like an underdog. We're flirting with a playoff spot here. Oh, right. Yeah, there's Connor Bedard and Meechkov that we're going to miss, miss out on. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. I can see it now. Yeah, I mean, at least if the young guys are playing well, I mean, at least you have, like, some encouragement there that maybe those guys could get you there. But, I mean, if you're, like, winning games because, like, the guy you just signed that's, like, 36 years old went off on a season and scored, like, 30 goals and then he yeah. puts you out of last place, I mean, yeah. then that could be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Kylak Poso has a resurgence. Yeah. He scores <laughs> oh 40 God. goals somehow. Kill me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to go back to the Eichel, though, I mean, like, all right, you're you're in Kevin Adams' chair right now. Like, what how are you approaching this? What are your thoughts? What are you looking for? How are you gonna know, you know, from your perspective, Walt, like when to really dig in and get deeper into talks with teams? when to just back away and say, nah, this, this ain't going to work. Like kind of give the lay of the land on that. Cause I think that's a lot of people are really interested in this coming up the next couple of weeks. Cause more likely than not within a couple of weeks, probably right. We should see him go bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say so. I mean, I think at this point, I mean, he's probably working the phones really hard right now. I mean, I know they're in a trade freeze right now until Thursday, but I mean, his hopes probably to get a deal done. I mean, before the draft, I mean, at least before free agency, just because, I mean, some teams have, like, more cap space to play around with. I mean, the further you get into the offseason, I mean, all those big contracts will probably be handed out. I mean, you'll have your Dougie Hamilton sign, your Gabe Landis Cogs, guys that will sign for big money. I mean, that limits, like, the amount of teams that have available cap space to take on a guy with a $10 million cap hit in Eichel. So I think, I mean, if he's really pushing a trade, him, I guess now would be the best time. But, I mean, I guess if the offer isn't at the level he wants it to be at, I mean, I guess you can wait. I mean, maybe you could take back money in any trade you make. And, I mean, waiting till later in the offseason won't matter. But when that uh, full no-move clause kicks in next offseason, I think July 1st, 2022, I mean, that's pretty much like the buzzer. I mean, that's when, that's when the trade, like, absolutely has to be made by. Because if Jack Eichel truly wants out – of Buffalo, I mean, you don't want him controlling the destination of where he wants to go because, I mean, that severely impacts the value of a possible trade return. I mean, we've seen it just this past season in Buffalo with Taylor Hall. Yep. I mean, he had a full no-move clause. I mean, the rumor is that he was willing to go somewhere else other than Boston, but, I mean, it seemed like Boston was his top choice. I mean, he's thinking re-signing with them. He wanted to go there and then – we get stuck with like second round pick and Anders Bjork, which is like a pretty mediocre return for a player of Taylor Hall's cal- uh, Taylor Hall's caliber. I mean, we've seen he also uh, sucked like, until he went yeah. to Boston. So yeah, I mean, yeah, again that combination Buffalo, of bad luck and just you know, uh, oh, just sorry, yeah, that was just <laughs> such an unfortunate era. But I mean, that one that'll be always be remembered. But it's like. You can't even, like, make this stuff up. I mean, like, what happens to this franchise? So, so let me ask you guys, too, because what I've been seeing is so far, which I'm assuming the same thing you guys have seen, is uh, a couple teams out, like, Anaheim originally was reported in, like, they're reported out now, and it's basically, like, Minnesota, who just made some cap moves, and then the Rangers, it's been said, don't count them out. Like, I mean, are those both, like – likely destinations he could go and then like i guess also like what from those two franchises if eichel was to go to one of them like what what would you want in return from them like 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, for both those teams, I just think like getting a center of Eichel's caliber just makes so much sense just because these are teams that are like almost there, but they just need kind of like that elite piece down the middle to uh, get them over the hump. I mean, Minnesota is a team who I really like as a potential Eichel destination just because uh, they have two high-end prospects in uh, Marco Rossi and Matt Boldy. Give me I Matt think those Boldy. guys. Yeah, Matt Boldy, just such a good player. I mean, at the World Juniors this past year, dominant, yep. great season at Boston College, good in the AHL too. I mean, if you could get him as like kind of a centerpiece coming back and toss in some first-round picks, maybe take some salary back and add a little bit more like prospect-wise. Give me Matt I Dumba. I think that's Matt Dumba too. I mean, even the Sabres could even flip Dumba too if they get him if they want, I want to, to maybe him. get a first round pick. I would keep that money. That's <laughs> fine because what he's only got like two or three years left on his deal. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's the other like thing. That. I mean, they're gonna he's need a money character too. guy, right? Like that's you want to yeah. shake things yeah. up. Like get, yeah, he, get a guy he'd like be him a good guy to have in the locker room. And now for sure. And now for yeah. you know, good job with Borgen, but now we need another <laughs> right-handed defenseman. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to find that balance. I mean, next season, if they do go full rebuild, I mean, just having kind of just that locker room that's just not all just a bunch of prospects and, like, guys that are new to the team, not really leaders. I mean, because there's going to be so many new faces on this roster next year along with so many young guys. And there's also a cap floor the Sabres have to hit after moving these expensive contracts. So Mm. I think if you make a deal with a team like Minnesota – I mean, maybe you could take back a guy like Victor Rask. I mean, one year left at $4 million. He's been in the league a while. But, I mean, even then, I mean, after buying out those uh, pre-say and suitor contracts, they're going to have uh, cap trouble, not next season, but the three seasons after that. So right. it would be really interesting to see how they could even make a guy like Eichel work then. But I guess maybe they're considering that, like a worry about that later problem. But, I mean, that would definitely be something I'd have to keep in mind. Uh, if I'm Minnesota training for Jack Eichel. Yeah, I would think for just for me personally from Minnesota, um, you know, Boosie, um, Dumba, let's get some salary back. A first, because they got what, the 21st and the 26th pick? Oh yeah, God, two first that. round picks this year. Yeah, so, and like you said too, guys dropping down the board with, you know, OHL players and stuff like that that you might find some steals in. So that could, there could be some value there with that, but that's kind of what I would be thinking. You know, Marco Rossi, he concerns me because he had some real complications with when he got COVID, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, he even had to, I mean, he still played the world juniors after he had COVID, but I mean, when he was playing that, you could just tell he like wasn't the same player. And I mean, Eventually, I think – I don't know if it was a Wild or his team in Switzerland. Eventually, they just shut him down for the season. And I think he's been getting back on the ice this offseason. But, I mean, yeah, he hasn't really played a game since he's been shut down, uh, I mean, earlier this winter. Yeah. So, I mean, that will be interesting to see. But, yeah, I don't know. I still – every time I have this conversation about Eichel, it's so surreal that we're talking about yeah. him. But I don't know. Like – you know, what are, where did it go wrong? Like, it's just, it's so, it is so frustrating. But, like, yeah, you know, this is one where it's like, I don't know what, what your thoughts are, Walt, but like, it, do you think the trade hasn't happened yet? You know, combination with the injury obviously has a factor, right? And I mean, Kevin Adams knows he cannot fucking miss on this trade. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot <laughs> have an, a Ryan O'Reilly 2.0 deal here. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Kevin Adams, I mean, as a rookie GM, too, I mean, he wasn't even in an NHL front office before last season. I think he was the maybe the coach or, like, the GM of the junior Sabres, and then he just gets launched into, like, the responsibility of having to trade possibly, like, the biggest star that's been trading the NHL in maybe a decade or so. The so most I talented think, hockey player yeah. the Sabres have ever had. Yeah, so he's, like, I mean – Maybe he's holding off on it just because he doesn't want to be that guy that messes up. I mean, this this stuff's definitely keeping him up at night. I mean, I think I I trust him a little bit just because, like, some of the moves he's made so far haven't been awful. But, I mean, at the same time, it's definitely, like, I think cause for concern having, like, 
a semi-new NHL GM in charge of that trade. But I mean, I think, I think over the next few days, I mean, once a trade freeze lifts up, I think we're going to start hearing a lot more stuff. I mean, maybe he's even yeah. traded before uh, the draft takes place on Friday. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of moves being made. I think pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, one thing to it's one thing um, just on this part. Um, I wanted to make sure we snuck this in, you know, big analytics guy wall before I, I let Toots take over for the remainder here. Sam Ventura. Thoughts on him? What's he bringing to the table? I'm sure you're very familiar with his work. Like, what are your thoughts and feelings there for Sabres fans like me who are very stressed, very irritated? You know, can you ease my mind at all with the fact he's in there? Because I know we just talked touched on, you know, having the rookie GM and everything, you know, can he provide some sort of clarity or, you know, some of a security blanket, if you will, to the front office? Yeah. I mean, I think Sam Ventura, I mean, he's one of like kind of like the original like hockey analytics guy in the public sphere with his website war on ice that he used to run before he got hired by the Penguins. So, I mean, he's definitely someone that's done a lot of very interesting work. I mean, I think you just look at like all the research he's done I think, I mean, all the respect he has in the hockey analytics industry, I think it's it's like hard to uh, like see this analytics department not working this time around because he's like a very smart guy. And it seems like they placed him in a role where, where he's going to be able to have like some say in the final decisions. I mean, you don't just hire Sam Ventura from another NHL team if you're not going to use him seriously. And right. he's not going to leave the Penguins if the Sabres aren't planning on using him seriously. So I think just having that insight into like decision-making, I think it's going to help. I mean, because we've been told before that the Sabres have an analytics department, but I mean, then you go out and see like the Cody Eakin signing last off season that they kicked off free agency with. And it's like, they're definitely not listening to the guys in the analytics department if they do have one, because that's just not a signing you make. If you, that's like a signing you make, if you heard the guy's name, while watching like a Stanley Cup Finals game in a bar two years ago. That's not like a sign you make because he's like a good player. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry to cut you off earlier, Toots, but go ahead, man. No, you're good. Um, I was just kind of going back to like your the thoughts on the Sabres there, and I know that the talk is like if you're Adams, you got to be worried like you can't mess this up or whatever, and I'm sure that's a lot of pressure coming down on him, but – I almost at this point kind of bring it back to something you've said before. And I think you might've said it on a couple episodes, Benny, where you said, you know, part of the issue with like former GMs, the Sabres have had like Bottrell or whoever is they always made these trades that were like unbelievably insignificant. Right. Because it was almost like they were afraid to like rock the boat and do anything like out there because then if it didn't work, like, you're going to get fired. But at this point, like, what do you have to lose? Like the last decade, right? Like, I mean, obviously you're going to get your good return for, for Eichel and you need to make sure you do, but like, yeah. I mean, as far as expectancy as for Sabres GM two and a half years, <laughs> you're damn right. What's what I guess you got to lose, but I guess that's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> it's like, at this point, it's like, all right, like if you celebrate two birthdays in the position, you've made it farther than anybody else does. So, like, I mean, shit, like you might as well try to try to shake things up a bit, and hopefully, you get you get something right by doing that. But I mean, while I'm with you there, where you know, obviously, to this point with that Cody Egan comment was <laughs> that that just made me laugh because that's because that's perfect, right? Like, clearly you haven't had guys in the past that are uh, too in tune with uh, yeah, it's what like the, analytics the analytic reports that these guys work on. And then you just, Oh, thank you. And then when they walk out of the room, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they right. give Cody, you can $4 million. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, that might be like a, like you said, like he had some, you know, you watch Stanley Cup Finals a couple of years ago, whatever, and you see yeah. the name. You see the name on the back of the jersey, and you're like, "Ooh, shiny object!" Yeah, oh, <laughs> he, and he won a big defensive zone faceoff. We should give him four million. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, while I mean, as we're kind of getting towards the end here, though, I want to you know, just a couple last things. Are the Sabers taking Owen Power? 
I think, I mean, with everything like Bob McKenzie and people that have been like close to NHL scouts have been saying, it sounds like he's pretty close to being the consensus guy for most people. I mean, maybe the Sabres scouting department has a completely different view on that and they think differently than the consensus. But Hearing at this point, it makes me so yeah. nervous. <laughs> yeah. I cannot, I'm shaking. <laughs> Oh. I'd be shocked though. I mean, because NHL GMs, they love like they loved him playing like big minutes at like the World Championships as an 18 year old. I mean, they just love stuff like that. And I think for most scouts, I think that pretty much sealed the deal with Owen Power at number one. But I mean, who knows what the Sabres are up to? I mean, maybe they'll pull something crazy. But what are your thoughts? Who should go number one? Do you think it should be Power? I think, I mean, for me personally, I have three guys kind of in my top tier. Uh, Matt Beneers, William Eklund, and Owen Power. Matt Beneers, Owen, this is so interesting. Talk to me about yeah. Beneers real quick because from the very beginning when college hockey first started and I watched him play two games at Michigan, I said, that dude's going to be a like a good top six forward in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same thing I get from watching him too. I mean, you just watch him and he does literally every little thing right. I he mean, the, only thing, the middle of the ice. Yeah, I mean, that's like – that's so true. I mean, that's, I think that's why he's going to be a center in the NHL level. And he's maybe the only guy at the top of the draft. You could really say that about, I think the only thing that's holding him back from being number one in this class is just because like skill wise, like, I mean, his hands are good, but they're not like crazy good. He's a good skater, but he's not like, it's not David level. Yeah. He doesn't have guy like the hard shot, but he just does everything right. I mean, that's why he's, my personal number one in this draft class, just wow. because, Okay. I mean, you just watch him and he does like, he's just like one of those guys that just like seemingly can't make a mistake out there. But then you got, I mean, Owen Power, he's my number three behind Eklund. But I mean, even then, I mean, top three, I think they're pretty much interchangeable for me because Owen Power, just like the potential you have with this guy, yeah. I mean, just his size and the stuff he's able to do offensively. I mean, sure, he could be more physical, but I mean, how hard is it to teach like a six, six guy to be more physical? I mean, that's probably yeah. the easiest thing to teach him. Yeah, so I think sure. he's got the tools to just be a really good player. And I think, I mean, I'd be happy with him uh, with the Sabres pick at number one. Where Tudor, you got anything else before we head off here? No, I mean, I just, I, I hope that one of the three names that you just listed uh, comes off the board with the first overall pick, um, you know, when the when the draft starts here because if not like i'm legitimately concerned and i'm gonna have to get like a pulse check on benny over there but uh, <laughs> you know I, uh, yeah there's guys there's know. guys that if they pick them that we didn't mention um i'm they're, they're escaping me though brant clark maybe right he's yeah uh, i wouldn't be too upset with that there's one more i can't think of he's projected to be a more of a mid-round pick but Goal scorer forward. I can't think. I can't remember. Billy his name. Gunther. Gunther. Yes, that's the yeah. other one. Yeah. So, any of those, no pulse check needed for Benny. So, don't worry <laughs> about that, dudes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I if mean, you if you uh, still want to, it's fine. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly at this point, like, I just I worry about my saber, my saber fan friends. I know. Uh, you know where there it's. You know, questionable today uh, if Derek is becoming a uh, Kraken fan. I guess we're going to find out when the <laughs> final roster is uh, released. But uh, we might be losing Derek Hoskin uh, from Buffalo to Seattle here. Uh, we might lose Derek depending on the Risto return. That might just be enough. <laughs> that might even be the straw that breaks the camel's back. We'll I'm, see. I'm okay with the Risto return. It's 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 the Eichel return because if, right. if we got a Ryan O'Reilly situation on our hands, it's going to be game over. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. But now now who wins? So let me let me ask this right. So say that Sabers move Eichel, they move Reinhardt, Risto, whoever get good returns. Who wins a cup first? The Sabres starting from zero or Toronto in their current situation with the cap issues that they're going to have for the foreseeable future? 
I think I'd probably go Toronto just because. Yeah, what are you nuts? Yeah, I don't I know, dude. Toronto. I don't know. I feel yeah. like I feel like they could be put. They can at least draft Tudor. Yeah, but I think they put themselves in a little bit of purgatory there with like you know you can't really do much else, right? Like you have three guys, and then like you can't really add anything. Even if you do, even if you have to sell some big pieces, you're not the Buffalo Sabers. You're not completely sweating. You're looking at. <laughs> You got guys like me playing beer league in the prospect system. <laughs> yeah, Sabres are that. cursed. I, yeah, we're done. We're until Walt comes on next time. We're ending this. Walt, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, man. Short notice. This was thank a you, Walt. You know, we'll definitely have you on again. You know, maybe yeah, great to be. Go, go over some stuff after the draft, after the trades, break all that stuff down, get a better idea of you know Sabres day one roster, that sort of stuff, and you know, obviously other things around the NHL too. Really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, definitely. Great being here. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to being back on. One last thing, too. Make sure you're uh, on the recording, too. Plug your socials for everything that you do where everybody can follow you and find you. All right, definitely. I mean, you can follow me at Twitter, uh, at Sabermetrics, and then uh, if you look for me at the Charging Buffalo, too, I mean, I post articles every once in a while. Uh, Real name is Walter Zorowski, so you find me under that name on there. Awesome, man. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the expansion draft tonight, even though we know everything. And uh, <laughs> regular draft day coming up. Appreciate your time, Walter. Thank you so much. All right, thanks. See you guys later. Later, man.